during our, when we do communion Sabbath, we like to do our children's story during the, um, during the communion. So we almost forgot, but we remember. We have all these little hand signals like, okay. I know your life on earth was troubled And only you could know the pain You weren't afraid to face the devil And you were no stranger to the rain Go rest high on that mountain Cause son, your work on earth is done And go to heaven a-shouting Love for the Father and the Son Oh, how we cried the day you left us. We gathered around your grave to grieve. Be great to see the angels' faces when they hear your sweet voice sing. So go rest high on that mountain Cause son, your work on earth is done And go to heaven a shout Love for the Father and the Son Go rest high on that mountain Cause son, your work on earth is done And go to heaven and shout Love for the Father and the Son And go to Love for the Father and the Son. Our scripture reading is from the same chapter we had our call to worship, but a few verses ahead at 32 and 33. If you'll turn to John 6, verses 32 and 33. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Mm 
Amen. Thank you. Good. Thank you, everyone, who has participated in our, helped our church service uh, flow thus far. It takes all of us, so thank you so much, uh, everyone, for your help. Uh, we are at, today is Communion Sabbath, so the sermon is, is condensed, and uh, so I want to get started on that. And so let's go ahead and pray together, and we will uh, get going. Kind Father in heaven, we thank you once more for this opportunity to be able to pray together. Thank you so much for this church, and thank you so much for everyone who is here. Uh, we pray, Father, I, I pray for the, that the words that are spoken this morning, that they would be a blessing, that they would come directly from your throne, and that um, your name would be magnified in our presence today. We thank you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> There was a, a tradition in Judaism, I don't know when it was developed, but at some point there was a several different things that um, they kind of developed as signs of who the Messiah would be. And one of those signs that uh, we're going to read about today, or that these people are alluding to in our story today in John chapter 6, is that when the Messiah came, he would make manna fall from heaven at Passover season, just like manna used to fall when, when Israel was in, in the desert and God was feeding them day by day. There was another tradition that the Messiah would, would leap from the pinnacle of the temple and he would land safely and that would be a sign that he was the Messiah. This is, of course, we see um, why Satan was tempting him to do that. You remember when he was being tempted in the wilderness, and one of the temptations was to turn the stones into bread. The other one was to leap from the pinnacle of the temple. It was because of this tradition. Okay? And um, Jesus, of course, did not that was not, uh, he answered with, it is written. That's, that's uh, you're twisting the scripture because uh, the devil was twisting scripture at that point in time, saying that God's angels would keep him safe. But Jesus didn't buy into the bait. These traditions that were held among the Jewish people, they, they did much to hinder people from accepting Jesus as the Messiah. And... Um, in our scripture reading, if we turn there, if you turn there with me to John chapter 6, <clears throat> we see this happening in which people are looking for a sign to prove that Jesus is the Messiah. So John chapter 6, and um, I want to give you a little bit of background, just a few verses before in John chapter 6. Jesus has just fed, the Bible says, 5,000 men. Scholars, Bible scholars, actually estimate this was probably more like fifteen to 20,000 people when you include the women and children that were likely among the crowd that day. So Jesus has just performed, probably in magnitude, his greatest miracle to date as far as feeding fifteen to 20,000 people. But let's turn. He's just done this earlier in this chapter. And <clears throat> let's start in verse 29. Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Verse 30. Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Verse 31, our fathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So they're kind of nudging him. Hey, the Messiah is supposed to, around the time of the Passover, bring down manna from heaven. You remember what happened in the wilderness. God gave them bread from heaven to eat. So this tradition, we see it coming out here. But Jesus, that's not, that, it was just a made-up thing. Uh, there was a lot of made-up things about 
things that the Messiah would do. Wonderful, amazing things. He would break the yoke of bondage from the Romans. And so when they found, when they see him feeding thousands of people, many people followed him for the loaves and the fishes. For whatever they could get out of this Messiah, and they were hoping that he would break the Roman yoke that was on them. So they followed him hoping to see signs and miracles to confirm in their mind. Let's continue on in our chapter. Verse 32. Then Jesus said to them in response, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Meaning eternal life. <clears throat> you see, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 12, this same author in another book later on, he says, who, he who has the Son has life. John chapter 3 and verse 16, Jesus said, God sent His Son into the world, for God so loved the world that whosoever believes in Him doesn't have to perish, but he can have or she can have eternal life. We also see in, in John chapter 1 and verse 4, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Continuing on, just harping on this thing, he says, He, in verse 33, He who comes down from heaven gives life to the world, pointing them to eternal life, pointing them to He is the fulfillment. He's the one who is going to give life to the world. Let's read on in verse 34 and verse 35. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. This I am is a direct link to Moses speaking to God out of the burning bush, and he says, well, who shall I tell them that, uh, that's coming to de deliver them? Who shall I say, send me? I am that I am, the, the all-self-existing one, Jesus links himself to that same one who spoke to Moses out of the burning bush. He says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is not talking about physical need, though. He's not. He's speaking to the internal longing of the human heart. Only Jesus can satisfy that internal longing, hungering, and thirsting for, for fulfillment in life. Only Jesus can satisfy that. Jesus, you see, as human beings, I, there's a song. I remember um, a contemporary Christian song from the 90s, uh, and, it, and it went something to the tune of there's a God-shaped hole in all of us, that only He can fill. P human beings try to fill that void with everything you can imagine. Indulgences of all kinds. Whether it's food, whether it's alcohol, whether it's, it's you know, wild living, drugs, nightlife, everything that's attached to that. People try to fill it with lots of things. Jesus is saying that only He can satisfy that. That when we go to Jesus, we won't be trying to fill that hole and that void with other things. He Himself can fill it. There's a song that came out in 1965. I was not there for it. Some of you may have been. Hopefully, maybe you heard it. Maybe you didn't. It was a rock and roll song. And without realizing it, the Rolling Stones were showing us this longing of the human heart in a secular song. 
And the title of the song is Satisfaction. In parentheses, I can't get no. And no matter how hard they tried, they said it in the song. I try and I try and I try, but nothing is satisfying to me. That is the longing of the human heart. And they were living a lifestyle that all most human beings would look to and say, that's what I want to do. That's living. But the cry of the human heart is still in their song. They They cannot find satisfaction in this life. And this is what Jesus is speaking to that only He can fill. Whoever comes to Me will never hunger, never thirst. He is the bread from heaven. Only Jesus, the bread of life, satisfies. And you have to realize, His audience, bread is the staple food that, he, that they would all have eaten on a daily basis at every meal. Bread was on every table. It was the focus. Everything centered around the bread because bread was available to all people. Jesus is the bread of life. He's available to all people. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't say He was the caviar of life because only few people would know what He was talking about. But He says, I am the bread of life. He's available for everyone. He satisfies. He fills the thirst and the hungering of the human soul that nothing we can put in in this life, no matter how hard we try, we cannot fill that. Verse 37, All that the Father gives to me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. I love that promise. That no matter what, the sincere heart that is longing for Christ to fill them, longing for a relationship, longing for eternal life, longing for joy and peace in their life, he says, I will by no means cast that person to the side. Jesus sees the longing of our hearts and the sincerity of our desire. And he wants to fill that. He says, I will not cast you aside. If you have a relationship with Jesus, if you talk to Him, if you read His Word and desire to be in harmony with His will, if you respond to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, you have life according to 1 John 5.12. He who has the Son has life. You have life. Romans, Romans chapter 8, Paul says that the same, if the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, if that same Spirit dwells in you, He will also raise your mortal bodies when He comes again. It's the same Spirit. And Christ wants to live in each one of us. If we are surrendering to the Holy Spirit in our lives and we desire to do God's will, we have life. And this this is what our service today represents. The bread represents us receiving Christ, receiving His free gift of salvation. They represent something. In and of themselves, the emblems are meaningless. They have nothing. Okay, It's just bread. It's just juice. But it's a representation of receiving the free gift, the bread of life, the bread of heaven. It's a representation of the the miraculous gift that God has given to each one of us. As we eat this bread, the idea is that it becomes part of who we are. Jesus desired this relationship with us, that He would dwell in us. He would be one with us as He is one with the Father. Believing, accepting Jesus as our Savior, taking in His Word day by day, having it, it, it energizes us, it changes our lives. This is what the bread represents. There's nothing in the bread itself. It's what, it's what it represents that is powerful. As Adventists, we practice open communion for all who have accepted Jesus and would like to participate. 
if parents want their children to participate, if they feel like their children understand what the emblems represent, then guide them, coach them through that process. We're now going to separate uh, for the ordinance of humility. This is something that Jesus did as an example for us. He said, he says, if I, your Lord and Savior, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. And this, this ordinance of humility or feet washing is just, it's a representation of Christ's humility. It's a representation also of a mini-baptism. As we go along life's way, especially in a world where they were wearing sandals, they picked up dirt and debris along the way. And so we too, as we have, as we have gone about our lives, maybe we have fallen into sin, maybe we have, uh, we have done, we've done various things that were contrary to the will of God. This is, represents a mini-baptism, our ongoing connection to Christ and the work of sanctification that he is doing in each of our hearts and minds. These are all representations of other things. And so we will now uh, part ways for that. We have an area that is designated for, for the men. We have an area that's designated for our, the ladies. And we also have an area that is designated for families and We will need some, I will need some instruction as to which, which one is which. This is only my second time doing it here. So which room is which, um, Rick is going to help us. As soon as my mic is on, there we go. So as um, you go out, if you go down the hallway to the left, the first door on your right-hand side will be for the ladies to gather and wash um, each other's feet. The second or the last door on the... Sorry, did I say on the left? The first door on the right is for the ladies. The second door on the right is for the men. And the last door on the left is for any families who would like to wash each other's feet. Okay. So that's um, that part. And then also during the foot washing, um, not all the children obviously are, are partaking in that. Um, Francis and Nancy have volunteered to read some stories. We usually have a little children's story time for the kids up here in the front. So kids, if you want to come up to the front, Nancy and Francis will read you some stories while the rest of us go wash feet. Thank you. Amen. And we will, we will reconvene in here for the communion service. Ladies are in here. I'll go in here with the guys. No, just get started. Yep. I am swinging very slowly. I am sad. Mama is sad. Papa is sad too. Papa is sad because he won't be going to his office anymore. Mama says his office is downsizing. I, I don't know just what that means, except Papa can't work there anymore. Papa is out looking for a new job.
I am sad because Papa is sad, and I am, and I am sad because Mama is sad, and I am sad because Papa says I can't have a new puppy, right, not right now. He told me we can't afford to feed a puppy right now. I am hungry. Can I have an apple, Mama? Sure, says Mama. A red one or a green one? Green, please, I say. Mama washes a shiny green apple. Can we afford to feed me, I ask? Mama looks at me and smiles. Of course we can afford to feed you, she says. We don't need to worry about running out of food. Our garden is growing nicely. We'll have plenty of potatoes and tomatoes and cucumbers and all the other good things you like. That's good, I say. It's too bad we didn't plant any puppy food, though. Mama looks at me and laughs. I laugh, too. Mama thinks I'm funny. Can we afford to keep the new baby, I ask. I wipe apple juice from my chin. Mama looks down where her flat tummy used to be. It's all round and sticking out now because there is a baby inside her. She pats the place where the baby is. Of course, we don't. We will keep the new baby, she answers. She puts her arm around me and gives me a big hug. The new baby is a special gift from God. God will provide for us so we can take care of the new baby. We will trust God. I, I hear Papa's car in the driveway. I can see him. Hi, Papa. Do you have a new job? Papa looks tired, but he smiles at me and rumples my hair. Not yet. No, not yet. N no new job yet, he says. Oh, did you guys want to see the picture? I'm in bed, but I am not asleep. I hear soft voices in the dining room. I hear Mama and Papa talking. I know what they are talking about. They are talking about a new job for Papa. I am thinking about a new job for Papa. I am thinking about trusting God. Suddenly, I have a question. I slide out of bed. <laughs> what are you doing up, asks Papa. I think I remember tucking you into bed already. I lean against Papa's chair. There are peppers there are papers covered with numbers all over the dining room table. Mama is working with the calculator. Yes, she says, looking up. I'm sure I remember tucking you into bed. Even if we eat up all the food in the garden and you don't have a new job, will we trust God, I ask Papa? Papa looks at Mama. He scoots his chair back and lifts me up on his lap. Yes, he says, even if we eat up all the food in the garden and I don't have a new job, we will trust God. God knows what we need. He is our Father. He will take care of us. I lean, on, I lean my head on Papa's shoulder. God could send us food by ravens like he did to Eli he did Elijah, I say, but I've never seen a raven in our yard. I'm sure if God wants to send us food by ravens, he can find the ravens, Papa says. If Elisha had a puppy, would the ravens have brought dog food, I ask. <laughs> Papa chuckles softly. I'm sure if Elisha had had a puppy, God would have provided for the puppy too. And I'm sure that when it... The time is right. God will provide a puppy for you. You need to get back into bed, says Mama. <laughs> They're carrying dog bones. <laughs> I jump off Papa's lap. Good night, I say. I love you. Papa kisses the top of my head. Mama and Mama and I love you, and God loves you too. I know, I say. I run to my room and snuggle under my covers. I will think about about puppy names and and baby names before I go to sleep. Papa says God will take care of us, and Papa never tells me lies, so I know God will do it. <laughs>
Should we do this one or? Teddy's terrible tangle. Tell me about your new job, Uncle Jack, I say. I climb up beside him on the couch. Uncle Jack looks proud. I'm going to be a repairman on, for the phone company, he says. Do you get to ride in a big white truck, I ask? Do you, ha do you have a belt full of tools? Uncle Jack laughs. Yes and yes, he answers. Do you want to tell you about a little bit about how telephones work he asks I nod my head oh yes I say come look says Uncle Jack there is a wire that runs from your telephone into the wall I know I say I can see it Uncle Jack smiles. That wire goes through the wall and outside the house. It goes either to a tall pole or it goes underground where it joins lots of other wires from lots of other people's telephones. And do you know where all those wires go, he asks. I shake my head. They go to a big computer when you pick up your telephone and dial a number like when you call grandpa. The computer in our town sends your call to a computer in grandpa's town and the computer sends your call to grandpa's telephone. I look at Uncle Jack in surprise. It's, it's a complicated system, Uncle Jack says, but it works very well, unless something happens to one of the lines. A storm could knock down one of the big telephone poles, or someone digging in the wrong place could cut some of the underground wires. Then you go fix them, Uncle, J Uncle Jack. I ask, you're a wire fixer. Uncle Jack laughs. That's right, he answers. That's just what I am, a wire fixer. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Come quickly, Mama calls from the living room. I run to see what is the matter. Where's... There is Teddy, all tangled up in Mama's yarn. He is kicking and rolling. I don't know if he is having fun or if he's scared. I rush to pick him up. What a terrible tangle, Mama explains. I giggle. Taddy looks funny. He has made a terrible mess. I start to unwind him. Mama sighs. I guess I'll have to be a lot more careful about where I leave my yarn, she says. Are you ready for bed, calls Papa. Did you brush your teeth and get a drink and go to the bathroom? Yes, I call back. I am all ready. Papa puts down the newspaper and comes down the hall to my bedroom. All, well, let's all pray, he says. We kneel bes down beside my bed. I don't need a wire to talk to God, I say. What, asked Papa? I don't need a wire like a telephone does, I say.
Papa laughs. It would be awful if we needed a wire to be... Be connected to God. Our Earth is spinning through space. It's a few minutes. In a few minutes, everybody's wires would be ta- all tangled up and broken. That would be worse mess than the one Teddy made this afternoon. He says. Wires. Papa puts his arm around my shoulders. Isn't this, isn't it wonderful that we can be connected to God anytime and anywhere? He can ev- he can always hear us even if the telephone poles fall down, I say. Even if the telepoles fall down. God can hear me when I pray in the night and all day. I don't always bow my head. Sometimes I talk to him under my bed. I think the men, there wasn't a lot of guys. Maybe one of the ladies check. Yeah, the, just Vicky went in wasn't on Okay. Couple minutes. Yeah. They were the last two, though, you think? Yeah. Okay. Usher us in. If she starts playing, we just have to go and they'll. Yeah. I think she is. Yeah. Pianos are really good for filling space. We could head in, and they'll be they'll be along shortly. Um, so tell me how we do this. Yeah, so I'll just go, and you guys will just. It doesn't matter which side you sit on. Um, usually, the I don't think it matters as far as who's praying for what. Okay. It doesn't matter. So just as long as you both know, one's praying. You're praying for the bread. You're praying for the juice. Thank you. So yeah, I'll uh, let's go ahead and head in. They're gonna follow. You guys are gonna follow us, right? 
Okay, perfect. Um, so is that either he or I start, or you start? I will start. Okay. Yeah, you just follow my lead, and I'll just say, now, no, Sister Amy's. Oh, yeah, I'll start. I'll go. Yeah. from the Desire of Ages and it's a couple of these are quotes of scripture and so as I go through these you'll recognize them. The unleavened cakes used at the Passover season are before him, meaning Jesus. The Passover wine, untouched by fermentation, is on the table. These emblems Christ employs to represent his own unblemished sacrifice. Nothing corrupted by fermentation, the symbol of sin and death, could represent the lamb without blemish and without spot. These emblems, they represent the sinless nature of Christ. The the juice is unfermented because fermentation would be a symbol of sin. There's no yeast in the bread because yeast, as they cleansed uh, for the Feast of Unleavened Bread, they cleansed yeast from their home. It was a, it was a symbol of cleansing of sin. And so only uh, you know, this, this bread that doesn't contain any yeast could represent the broken body of Jesus uh, for, this, this, um, for our communion service. So just now, uh, we're going to have Sister Amy, she's going to have a prayer for the bread, and then the deacons will wait upon us. Father in heaven, I thank you for giving your son Jesus to be the bread of life. Amen. Jesus, thank you for being broken for us to restore all that is broken in us. Amen. We praise you for feeding us till we are satisfied and full of all that is good in you. In your name I pray, amen. Amen.
The Bible says that when Jesus had broken the bread and given thanks, he said, take, eat, all of you. Shall we eat together? bread is a representation of the broken body of Jesus and his sacrifice for us. And as we receive this, his free gift of salvation, this is what this represents. He also took of the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for all of you. And now um, Brother Bob is going to have a prayer for the juice. Dear Father, we know that you are the life giver, that life is in the blood, your blood, that was shed for the remission of our sins. It is through you that we find joy and peace and happiness and eternal life. Amen. We thank you and we pray for your soon return. Amen. That we can live happily ever after with you. Amen. 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 Again, Jesus took the cup and he said, this represents my blood of the new covenant. He said, take and drink, all of you. Shall we drink together? These emblems are, are things that remind us of Jesus. They remind us 
of his sacrifice for us, his broken body and the blood of the new covenant. I'm going to read another excerpt from The Desire of Ages, and it says, The communion service points to Christ's second coming. It was designed to keep this hope vivid in the minds of his disciples. Whenever they met together to commemorate his death, they recounted how he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink all of it, you, drink you, all of you. This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. In their tribulation, they found comfort and hope of the Lord's return. Unspeakably precious to them was the thought, as often as you drink of this bread and drink of this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he comes. I pray that this service gives us comfort and hope in the soon coming of Jesus Christ, and it keeps that hope alive in our hearts today. Let us pray together, and then we'll sing our closing hymn. Kind Father in heaven, Lord Jesus, we are so eternally grateful for all that you have given to us in the gift of your life, the bread of heaven, the bread that satisfies the longings of the human heart. And we're so thankful for this service that gives us hope of a soon coming Savior. That this isn't all there is, a life of sin, a life of death and misery. But there are bright spots in our lives of you walking with us daily, giving us hope that you're coming soon. We long for that day. Help us to be a reflection of you in our sphere of influence. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll now sing our closing hymn, hymn number 184.